There is no limit to what God can do with an obedient disciple. It means a life of continuously imitating Jesus. So the question is, whose disciple are you? Our Father in heaven, you are the God who hears the prayers of your people. I pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Take us out of our comfortable Christian lives and put us on mission for you. Those saved that are sleeping, wake us up, Lord. Burden us to pray for the lost and to be your hands and feet. Father God, make us courageous witnesses for you. I pray for the lost, that you call them to yourself. Lord, help me to love others as you have loved me. Forgive us, Lord, and bring us back to you. Lord, I pray you will send a revival to our country and that people will turn to you. Awaken us to obey your word. God, please awake America. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Marketing in the business world is a great endeavor. Uh, people need to be informed about good products and, and the benefits of those products. But there are many, sadly, who dishonestly advertise. Uh, in our society, it's all become about numbers now in this mass society that we live in. It's all about numbers. Well, you say, Michael, why are you telling us all this stuff about marketing in a series entitled, Who's Disciple? Because, sadly, this consumer mentality has invaded the Christian church with vengeance. This attitude of give people what they want, regardless of quality or integrity or truthfulness, has become rampant. That's the sad part. What you'll hear from Jesus to be saying that those who want to be my disciples uh, appears to be so negative in a time when people are preaching positive thinking, preaching, and positive gospel preaching. And yet Jesus did not have to draw a crowd. He already had massive crowds when he uttered those words, as I'm going to show you from Luke 14, beginning at verse 25. In the last message, we concluded that the only disciples we make, that only disciples that are worthy of the name discipleship, is when these disciples are the disciples of Jesus. Not the church's disciples, not the leader's disciples, not the pastor's disciples, but the disciples of who? Jesus. Today I'm going to show you that Jesus is saying 
that the first mark of discipleship, the first evidence of discipleship is an absolute and unquestioned loyalty to Jesus. In the next two messages, I will show you two more, and namely, exceptional love for Jesus and exclusively living for Jesus. Please hear me right. For genuine, authentic, real, biblical discipleship to occur, loyalty to Jesus is the first step. And loyalty to Jesus requires blazing integrity. Are you with me? <laughs> and I don't need to tell you that blazing integrity today is a rare species. Here in Luke 14, when Jesus sees this huge crowd following him, I mean, man, Nicole, this is a marketer's dream. Crowd is there. He doesn't have to gin up a crowd. He's got them. He got them. And you would say, Jesus, get them on your good side first. Jesus, tell them what they want to hear first. Jesus, tell them how wonderful they are. Tickle their ears first. Jesus, um, tell them how great they are. Remind them that the power is in the tongue, and they, whatever they say, God obeys. Ask them uh, to name whatever they want, and then claim it, and then they will get it. Hmm. Get them on the hook first. And then kind of in the middle of the week, do some sort of a Bible study. Oh, Jesus, don't start with the cost of discipleship. Don't start there because it's a turnoff, right? Don't start with unquestioned loyalty to you. Let them have a skin in the game, right? Don't start with self-denial. <laughs> Talk about self-actualization. First, start with telling them what is in it for them first. But with Jesus, there is no misleading subtleties. With Jesus, there is no small print. With Jesus, there is no sugar coating. He spells it out up front. If you do not hate your family <laughs> or even self, you cannot be my disciple. I'm going to unpack this because I don't want anybody here or even those watching around the world who hate their in-laws <laughs> and say, man, I got an out of here. No, no, no. <laughs> not so fast. Wait until I get to explain the text. Whoever does not hate himself cannot be my disciples. I'll explain that too. Whoever does not carry his cross and come after me, not on occasions, not when they feel spiritual, not when they have a, a petition, a request from heaven, but daily. How often? Daily. And come after me. It cannot be my disciple. 
Then he goes on and gives us two illustrations. They're really two illustrations that are self-explanatory. The person who builds a bridge or builds a tower, really a house, and because he has not counted the cost of the building, the entire building, he leaves it half done. Or like the army that does not count the cost of meeting another stronger army and they get defeated. Basically saying, count the cost of discipleship. Count the cost. I told you it spills it out up front. <laughs> when you understand these words, it will not only lead you into absolute unquestionable loyalty to Jesus, but it will encourage you to be truthful in discipling others for Jesus. Can I get an amen? In the last message, we looked at the meaning of the term disciple, and if you want here, you can download it. In the book of Acts, actually the word disciple and Christian, they use interchangeably. Christian and disciple, and I told you, discipleship is not a higher rank. It is when you when Jesus becomes your Savior, He becomes your Lord, and you become a disciple, all at the same time. Now, you might start in kindergarten, <laughs> but you're still a disciple. And that is why becoming a disciple is a must. In fact, becoming a disciple of Jesus is the only evidence that you are a believer and a, that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. Can I get an Amen. Now, some of you might protest, and I understand that. Listen to me. I've been around long enough to know. Michael, what Jesus is asking here in Luke chapter 14 is extreme. This is radical. Or as kids would say, that's rad. <laughs> now, you're obviously not being around kids. Another lingo. <laughs> but when you hear the explanation, you understand that Jesus is not calling for an extreme makeover. <laughs> He's calling for a takeover. A takeover. He is either acknowledged as the only divine, sovereign, king, master, or not at all. Jesus never suggested that all you need to do is to say just a little simple prayer and then go back to your merry happy ways and you're saved. Jesus never, never manipulated anyone into making an emotional decision. Jesus never gave anyone a false sense of security. Jesus never taught that the way to heaven is paved on a bit of roses. In fact, in Matthew 7, 14, he warned how narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. It's narrow. And you thought narrow-mindedness is a derogatory term. Somebody call you narrow-minded, wear it with a as a badge of honor. And tell them that it's a narrow road that leads to heaven. You cannot enter it with all of your deliberate, intentional sin and promiscuity. You cannot enter it 
with all of your love for this world in your heart, you cannot enter it with all your idols hanging on you and on your shoulder. No, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus said again, if anyone wishes to come after me or become my disciple, he must daily, how often? Deny himself. Oh, deny yourself. (laughs) When we're talking about self, 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 this is deny yourself. Take up his cross and follow me. There's one more thing about Luke 14 before I get to it. Here you notice Jesus is not talking about any aspect of salvation. Not here. He does not mention uh, God's holiness, human sin, divine judgment, uh, or his saving work in the cross that is coming. He does not talk about salvation by grace alone, through faith alone. He does not talk about the objective facts of the gospel. No, he is talking about the subjective, the what? Subjective attitude for a radical and extreme faith commitment. And that radical and extreme faith commitment must exist in the heart of anyone, anyone who wants to be a disciple of Jesus. This is not for the faint-hearted. This is not for the fair-weather churchgoer. And I think we're going to desperately need this more and more as we come close at the end times. And I was thinking about integrity and loyalty to Jesus, and I hate to bring humor into something so serious like this, but I can't help it. So forgive me ahead of time. You'll understand why I'm asking for forgiveness ahead of time. But a story told in a rural village of a Baptist deacon who was selling his cow. And he advertised it. So a man came, a would-be buyer came in, and he said, "Uh, how much is the cow? He said, $50. He said, how much milk does does she give? He said, "Um, four gallons a day. Every day gives you four gallons. Again, the prospective buyer said to him, he said, how do I know that it will give that much and that you're telling me the truth? He said, you have to trust me. I'm a Baptist deacon. The man said, okay, I'll buy it. And so he took the cow home. He said, I'm taking it home, and I'll bring you the money later. And the deacon said, how do I know that you're going to bring me the money? The buyer said, you can trust me. I'm a Presbyterian elder. (laughs) And so the man goes home. He said, honey, his wife, he said, "Uh, what is a Presbyterian elder? She said to him, well, a Presbyterian elder is about the same as a Baptist deacon. <laughs> and the man said, oh, dear, I've lost my cow. <laughs> integrity. Integrity. Beloved, without integrity in your loyalty to Jesus, you cannot be a disciple. I know this is hard. That's the truth. That's what he said. Verse 26. Here is that extreme radical concept. 
If anyone comes after me and does not hate father or mother or hate himself even, what's he saying? What's he saying? <laughs> Here's the explanation, and I'm going to plead with you. Can I, I plead with you in the balcony, watching around the world, here in the sanctuary? I'm going to plead with you. This is important. I want to give you the explanation. I'm pleading with you not to miss it. Jesus was making it very clear, and he's making a clear distinction between redemptive love, which is divine, and possessive love, which is not. Jesus is telling a would-be disciple that our relationship with our loved ones, with our family members, with all our loved ones, unless that love stems out of redemptive love, unless that love grows out of redemptive love, unless that love stems out of loyalty to Jesus, it will not be selfless love. Will be possessive love. If a love between husband and wife does not flow out of God's love for them and their love for God, at best, it's a possessive love, not redemptive love. And that's why you discover at the very core of all marital problem, there is sin. I don't care what they dress it and how they rationalize it and how they play it. No, no. It's sin at the very core. And sin that is not repented of is disloyalty to Jesus. In fact, you see this very clearly on television. You see it in the movies. You see, oh, you know, baby, I need you. Uh, baby, I, 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 I have to have you. I, 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 I. Beloved, listen to me. Jesus is saying to a would-be disciple, possessive love is selfish at best. Possessive love cannot be eternal, but the love that flows out of a total loyalty to Christ is deeper and higher love than anything else. The love that emanates from your total commitment and loyalty to Christ will make your love for family and for others to be real and will grow every day. A disciple's total loyalty to Jesus compels him, compels her to exercise redemptive love with all of their relationships. Uh, it, it will compel them to bear witness to Christ. It compels them not to be ashamed of Christ. It compels them to love like Christ. It compels them to be the same person in business as they are in church on Sunday. It compels them to worship Him with money and time as well as with lips. It compels us to value surrender more than success. It compels us to value our time with Him, our intimacy with Him more than entertainment. It compels us to value prayer more than power. It compels us to value the truth more than the treasures of this world. It compels us to place loyalty completely 
to him and for him above all else. That's redemptive love. Otherwise, Jesus said it would be like a, an unfinished building. He would say, ah, look, he calls himself a Christian. She calls herself a Christian. Look at him. Look at that building. They thought they're going to build a tower, going to build a house. Look at, look at it. Just only the foundation and a few columns, and that's it. Half-built building is mocking to the person who built it or a defeated army because the army never was realistic and looked in their true readiness. Why? Because they have not taken the time to count the cost of discipleship because they did not take discipleship seriously because they did not take loyalty to Jesus seriously. And remember this, just in case you begin to panic and say, oh my, it's all good dependent on me. It's all up to me. I'm going to have, what, what do I do? How, how can I do that? Let me tell you something. You've seen me and you heard me long enough to know that if it's up to me holding on to Jesus, I would have been lost a long time ago. But thank God, Jesus is the one holding on to me. Jesus is the one holding on to me. You know, when, when uh, the years are 1977, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Our eldest daughter, she was two. And she was always rambunctious. Always wanted. And we were downtown in Sydney with my in-laws. And uh, we, very busy street traffic. And, 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 and the grandfather, Mr. Bailey, was grabbing her, her, her arm tight. And she wanted to wiggle away from us. She wanted to wiggle. And she wanted to wiggle. And, and she said, Grandpa, let me hold your hand, not you holding my hand. And the wise grandfather said, not on your life. And he grabbed her hand. <laughs> Beloved, that's what God is doing. You come to him. He grabs your hand. He holds your hand. He holds it tight. He's asking us to count the cost when we come to him. And once we make that commitment, he's going to take over. He's going to take over. He's going to take care of the rest. Why? Because he promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. I'll always remember the moment when I said to Jesus, and I was standing in a Christian bookstore. I don't know how, I don't know why, but I remember that moment as if it's yesterday when I said to the Lord, I go anywhere, I do anything, I'm yours. And for the past almost 60 years, it has been the greatest joy ride that I can ever imagine. Were there some rough patches? Of course. Were there some difficult times? Absolutely. But he is faithful. And when you count the cost and you come to him and you say, I want to be your disciple, Jesus said, I'll take care of the rest. 
I'll take care of the rest. I'll guarantee it. In fact, in John 6, he said, those whom the Father gives me, I'll lose none. None. Yet the life of a transformed identity is a life that is set free, and only Jesus can set you free. When I entered into prison, I was in total despair. I was still angry with God. A 75-year sentence, that means life to me. But one of the things that happened that changed my perception about God was I started encountering people that was witnessing for God. I had a friend of mine, and he was telling me about this ministry on the radio. And when I began to listen to the ministry at Leading the Way, Dr. Michael Youssef teaching began to equip me with the words, with the knowledge. The whole world must repent and believe in Jesus. God has his arms wide open to whomsoever comes. And God showed me something that I needed to do because I had a lot of hate in my heart. But it began to convict my heart through the Holy Spirit that I haven't forgiven. God showed me that he forgave me for all the stuff that I done did and that I needed to do the same thing. I learned about forgiveness. I learned about the peace of God. I learned about sanctification, and that's what he was doing in my life because he was preparing me for the next step. And I enjoy hearing about God's Word, and I also like telling people about God's Word. So I feel like at this point in my life, God go continue to utilize me in the way he see fit. And when I finally got out, after doing 18 years off a 75-year sentence, people were amazed at how he out, what happened. And there's no other explanation besides God. I thank God for Dr. Yusuf, this ministry, and I'm grateful, and I encourage this ministry to keep on doing what it's doing because it's having a positive effect on people. It's amazing, and it's a blessing. I thank God for each and every person that's a component of that ministry. It's not a matter of who have a big role or a small role, but the ultimate goal is to bring people to Christ. And it don't get no better than that. You know, my friends, None of the books I write supposed to be in place of the Scripture, the Word of God. But all the books I write is to help you get into the Scripture. And this book, The Daily Way, 365 days, January 1, December 31, it will encourage you to open the Scripture and dig deep into it. Begin your day with the timeless wisdom of Scripture and be encouraged as you reflect on Dr. Michael Yusuf's daily devotional, The Daily Way. Journey with Dr. Yusuf into the very heart of God through 365 daily Bible readings and devotional reflections designed to help you grow in Christ. You'll be reminded that God's grace is for our past, present, and future. The Daily Way is available now for your gift of any amount to Leading the Way at ltw.org. That's ltw.org. That kind of preparation compelled him that as soon as he heard from the Apostle Paul that the Messiah came, that he lived, 
that he died, that he rose again, that he's ascended into heaven, and that he's soon coming back as judge. Timothy put his faith in Jesus Christ. I would do whatever it takes to encourage you. Passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth. Leading the way with Dr. Michael Yusuf. Thanks you for your faithful support through your continued prayers and gifts.